0: Hey, folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. All right, crowdfunders, how is everybody doing out there in crowdfunding land? You guys like my radio voice? Does that sound pretty good? I hope everybody's doing all right. Now, you might be wondering, what is going on? It is Tuesday, and there's a new episode coming out. Well, that's right, guys. We're doing a bonus episode this week. Um, I just got off um, off of an interview with Sharice Wilson from Dynamite Nurse Anime Card Games, and um, literally just got done talking about an hour ago. And she only has three days left in her campaign. And I wanted to get this out so that you guys, our listeners, could go out and check out her project and uh, maybe become a backer. Hopefully you're becoming a backer. Hopefully you're listening to this stuff and you're being inspired to go and support the community. So Sharice um, and I got had a really good conversation. So they had a twenty thousand dollar goal and she's crushing it. You know they're almost at sixty k. Um, uh, and what's intriguing on is is kind of the uh, this anime card game world again. Out of my element. I'm the first one to tell you guys. I'm not a huge card game guy, but I'm learning. Um, uh, enjoying their conversations with this community that seems to be really, really thriving. So so that conversation is coming up in a little bit, but I did want to jump on and tell you about, a, I think, a pretty powerful um, um, uh, blog post that's going to be coming out this morning as well. So it is Tuesday, and um, this is typically when I have a new blog post that's coming out, but... Um, I have a post up there with 100 crowdfunding influencers that will help you boost your campaign. And there is a lot, a lot of data in here that I I hope you guys are out there that... Hopefully you guys go check this out, you know. So go to Agency, scroll down to the blog section and, and check it out or just put it in our search bar. You should be able to find it. But really uh, just a ton of info that um, of, of either tools to use or communities to go to. Basically a lot of stuff to click on. And really kind of you know put your head in the right space. Um, you know, one of the things I really think is important is for... Um, is for everybody to kind of go out and enjoy, join all the groups. Join these crowdfunding groups where the conversations are going. Woodshed, we have one. Um, if you want to go to that one, you can join the community by just going to the website and click on it in the top right. Um, and we've got a really strong network of people, and they're talking about crowdfunding, talking about projects, so that it's not just my voice over and over and over and over, so I'm going to sound like a broken record. You can kind of get advice and critiques from the community um also there's great facebook groups out there um really good linkedin groups you know go check out those uh google groups i mean you know go on reddit there's just so much valuable information out there that um you know i'm just one of those people hopefully giving you guys out some some valuable stuff but um but but check that stuff out and so yeah so that like i said that blog post is going out today um if you got some time go check out that if you're looking to dive a little bit more into the conversation so, I wanted to kind of tell tell a quick story here about um, uh, about something very mm, how should I say this? Pretty embarrassing. I think this is a pretty embarrassing conversation. So, um, back in high school when I was I you know had had a nice girlfriend and was just starting to become you know, sexually active, I would say. Um, so. You know, I had a you know solid girlfriend at the time, and we, we dated for a long time. So you know, I, it was not like I had a ton of partners or was anything like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I would have loved to have had a ton of partners. It's just not who Jeff Wenzel is, right? So, um, so uh, you know, my parents are obviously home, and you know, we're we're looking for um, for that time away, right? Some alone time. Um, and as all high schoolers, we're looking for to take advantage of any opportunity possible. So. Um, so I got word that my my grandma was on vacation. She was out of town. So uh, having a key to that house, I figured, you know what? Let's go ahead uh, I will, um, and head on over to uh, into my grandma's house. You know what I mean? So we get over there, and, you know, uh, nobody's home. Let myself in, you know, put the TV on, Uh don't shut any of the blinds because I'm an idiot. Mind you, I'm 18 at the time. And get, uh, well, I'll just, Vanessa, get her, you know, shirt off and pants off and, you know, getting ready to start getting, you know, getting it going, right? A nice, good time. And suddenly, you know, I hear a little on the glass. I'm like, what, what is that? Did you hear that? You know, no. Hear it again. I'm like, oh my God, somebody's here. What? You know? So uh, Vanessa, girlfriend at the time, runs out of the house, literally grabs her clothes and sprints out of the house and runs into the garage. I run into the bathroom with my clothes, right? And, you know, eventually the door opens. I, you know, and in walks my grandma and, um her best friends, Dottie and Jackie. And I walk out of the bathroom and I just pretend that nothing happened. Yeah, nothing. Uh, so, you know, they clearly know what's going on. And I just brush it off. Like, well, yeah, nothing happened here. I got nothing on you guys. Yeah. Don't no Don't worry here. And so what I start doing at that point to cover my stupid story is I decide to um, unhook the VCR. And then I come up with an excuse of saying, oh, my dad needs to borrow uh, the VCR. He's got to do something. So he wanted me to come over and borrow it. So I literally unhook the VCR, wrap it under my arm, (laughs) you know, while Donnie and Jackie, my grandma's best friends, and um, I think they're cousins too, and my grandma's sitting there just eyeing me up like nobody's business, um, I eventually go out the back door to where you know, and I go and you know, I go get Vanessa, and I'm like, we we gotta go now, we gotta go now. I get in the car and I instantly I use my old school cell phone at the time and I call my mom and I'm like, I'm letting you know right now, this is what's gonna happen. Grandma will be calling you, and uh, this is what I this is what's going on. So, um, um you know, just a heads up. So, yeah, you know, I bring up this story because it's funny. I think it's also embarrassing. But it's also, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of an ability I had to weasel my way out. Now, granted, nothing happened. There, you know, this wasn't some, you know, godforsaken crime I was on or some intensity or anything like that. But definitely an embarrassing, embarrassing moment in my life. And I thought all of you out there in, in podcast land uh, would enjoy uh, a little laugh at my expense. So, all right. I think that's enough of this. Like I said, I hope you guys enjoy this bonus episode. Um, And I hope you guys go check out the campaign. If you guys go to the website, you'll be able to check it out. Um, I'll have the links in there. Uh, Also, what do I say every time at this point in the episodes? Make sure you are telling your friends about us right share it go tell our friend go tell your friends go tell them right now right now you're probably if you got to this point you probably are enjoying yourself go email a buddy go email your best friend say you got to check out this podcast there's some good stuff going on here join our community like i said earlier if you want a deep dive go to the website woodshed uh, dot agency and you can join our community where we have even more in-depth conversations about crowdfunding you thought we were taking it this far with our with the podcast uh-uh. we go even further After that, you still want more? Well, obviously, go check out the blog section because there I got even more stuff going on. So, that's all I got. All right, let's kick it to my bonus episode this week of the uh, very successful Kickstarter campaign Dynamite Nurse anime card game. Uh, It's by Japanime uh, Games and uh, my conversation with Cherise Wilson. the record button is enabled it's a go time here so why don't we start with a uh, you, you just kind of giving maybe an overview to my listeners about uh what your uh campaign is about
1: so we are currently running a campaign for our newest uh card game project called dynamite nurse and we are just trying to get the game published it's been published in japan and we are localizing it for uh, english and french speaking audiences
0: so what is the game about? What is the, What do you do in the game?
1: Dynamite Nurse is a—it's like a deck-building card game similar to Dominion. We also published Tonto Kore, which is very, very similar to Dominion. So this game is a little bit different in that it's very competitive, whereas most deck-building games are sort of like you're in your own world, just trying to get as many victory points as possible. This one, you can actually totally screw over the other players uh, if you want. <laughs> So it's got a competitive edge to it, which separates it from other deck building games that we've published.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So, so I, you're interviewing, I'm interviewing, or I should say, you're actually talking to somebody that does not know much about anime card games. So kind of break down, what is the start of a process like this? Um, Where does the, like, does it come from an idea or because you've done this in the past, like, like walk me through how you actually start this process because I have no idea.
1: So uh, I actually am a game designer in addition to doing the marketing for this for Japanime games. And okay. um, so if we're just talking about what we do at Japanime, uh, the process is basically that another company, in this case, it's ArcLight, has created a card game and it's done well in Japan. This game was actually originally made in the '80s and then they've reskinned it and it was called Dynamite Nurse Returns. So what we're publishing is Dynamite Nurse Returns, but without the returns part. Gotcha. If that makes sense. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, no return. Right, and so we get the license from them, and then we've commissioned new artwork and added some new cards, which are our promo cards that they add new mechanics to the gameplay, and then those are our you know incentives to get this version. Aside from it just being in English and not Japanese. Um, Interesting. So,
0: so you know, just it. So, you had a built. Do you feel like you had a built-in audience before you launched this because of the game being around in the eighties?
1: Yeah, that, and we already have um, our fans who like our other games that are you know that anime art style, like Tanto mm-hmm. Kore and um, Kamikaze Games is another division of uh, Japanime, and so we have El Alamein and Barbarossa, which are the same you know, cute anime girls and you play the game mechanics with the artwork of these cute anime girls on it. Uh, right. So we have an audience that already likes us. Most of them I think are anime fans. And then Mm -hmm. if you like board games, I think dynamite nurse is doing better. Um, just because it's so unique compared to like Tonto Corey.
0: Right. So in this world that, you know, you know, the, the anime card game world, is there crossover You know, like if one person likes the first game you mentioned, you have a pretty good idea that they'll they'll like the second game or is it, or people are like just, you know, major fans of Dynamite Nurse and that's all they care about.
1: Um, yeah, I don't think that it's the second, uh, second option. Uh, it's really seems to be more of that. They enjoy anime in general Mm -hmm. and, or they enjoy board games in general, um, we do have some IPs that I think will draw more fans of that particular anime. So we have a game that's coming out called Terra for Mars, and it's based on an anime and a manga and a live-action movie. And I think that might do better just because people like that IP. Mm-hmm. Um, Dynamite Nurse is sort of a standalone thing. There's no anime that goes with it. There's no manga that goes with it. So it's just sort of this, its own encapsulated thing. Right. Um, very similar to Tonto Corey and uh, El Alamine or Barbarossa.
0: So, so you, so, so this one we're talking about right now definitely has an audience, you know, that you, you, you're not really envisioning kind of, you know, the 452 backers at this point, you don't really envision them kind of moving on to other games. Some of them might obviously, but, but you really guys feel like this is a, a bubble type of game.
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, the, it's sort of our bubble because we know a lot of our fans who bought Tonto Corey and our other games they're backing this game also mm-hmm. um there are some of our games where I've seen people on like Reddit say that they would never buy another one of our games they just liked that one particular uh, genre that we had published so uh, that was Barbarossa someone had said I wouldn't buy another I wouldn't buy one of their other games but I really like this particular IP um, mm, which is the girls in war uniforms type of thing. Okay. So it's a little bit of both. So who do you, I,
0: who is your audience? Like describe like your customer avatar. Uh,
1: I think in general, we are looking, I know that from our demographics, we're looking at older males um, between like 18 and 35 is generally who likes to support our games. That isn't to say that, we have female fans. Uh, I think it's like 30% is about what our female fan base is. And we'd really like to do more to improve that fan base and, you know, release some products to, to, you know, make them happy. (laughs) We're doing a really good job of making the guys happy right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, uh, I can see that, um, you know, but you know, we're simple beast. (laughs) So what comes in the box, um, uh, you know, I guess is like your kind of base, base uh, pledge, you know, what what does somebody get right out of the gate?
1: Uh, The base game, which is the $50 pledge level is the base game. And that has the tokens that you need to place on the cards. It's to designate which player gets which of the patients that they're trying to treat. And then you get all the cards that come with the base game. Uh, I think we are also, let me take a look at this, offering a promo with that. Yeah, we have the Lynn Goldfish promo card for the base pledge level. Hmm. So you get at least a one card. And then we have all of our stretch goals. Um, every backer gets that. And so any of the promo cards that are being offered in our stretch goals, they will also receive that.
0: Cool. That's very interesting. So as you being a game designer, you know, what is the step on how like how challenging is it to walk these characters through all the different you know things that can happen to them and and how do you keep all of that straight when designing a game like this?
1: A lot of it comes down to playtesting. You want to make sure that you didn't miss something in your idea of what that character should be able to do. But also a lot of it is you can sort of lay out the cards once you've made the prototype for it and say, does any other thing in this game do this? And is it limited in some way? Because if it's not limited, it's broken. Um, A lot of times people who play Magic the Gathering are really good at being able to tell this because someone will say, oh, this card's broken. And you say, well, no, it's not broken because it costs this much. And that cost is the limit on it. This game is... Hmm a little bit similar to that because there is a cost for each card and there, you can only use it so many times. So it does come down to play testing and making sure that you've sort of seen all the options of what could happen. Um, right. But sometimes you can just sort of guesstimate, Oh, mm-hmm. this won't be that big of a deal because it's got these limitations on it.
0: Well, Interesting. And how about artwork? I mean, obviously the artwork is this anime style, but, but, is that the biggest challenge to kind of getting one of these games off the ground Uh, is, is finding all the artwork or producing it all. Um, How how do you guys go about that?
1: Uh, Well, this game was a little bit easier because as opposed to, I think Tonto Corey, we had a lot of original artwork and we commissioned artwork using ArcLight's artists, I think is how that worked. I wasn't there for that project. So that might be a little incorrect. Um, But for this game, we also worked with some of ArcLight's artists and, Commissioned them to make new artwork because we wanted to update it and sort of give it, you know, like kind of spruce it up a little bit for this new sure, sure. release. Um, the artwork is kind of easy as long as you're willing to pay the artists because um, they just do really good work, anyways. So we can sort of trust them to just make something decent. When it comes to the graphic design, you know, it's called the user interface on the cards if you're designing something from scratch, that can be a little bit more complicated. Um, and that really is more up to the designer and a little bit less up to the artist. Um, luckily, this game, we didn't have to worry about that because it already had it laid out. So we didn't have to right, think right. about that too much.
0: So so was there a lot of um, back and forth then with the original, I guess, designers and all that stuff? It like, and then is there like a producer type of vibe who's just kind of making sure that we're in the parameters, you know? we don't want to go too far this way, or this is off brand for lack of a better term. Or Yeah.
1: Tony, I think Arclight pretty much deals with making sure that all that stuff stays on brand because they, you know, they have the, they did the original artwork. They have the feel and the vibe for what they, they want and what they're okay with. And then Tony works with them to get the approvals for all the new artwork that we've added. So even though their artists are doing it, we still have to go and get the production part of it done. And Tony takes care of all of that.
0: Gotcha. Interesting. Cool. So let's switch gears a little bit and let's actually just talk a little bit about you. So how did you get involved, um, Uh with the company and and with the project? Are you there? Yeah, I am. Yeah. (laughs) Did you hear my question? No. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Did I disappear for a second? Uh, or I did. Someone. Yeah, yeah. Somebody disappeared. <laughs> so my question was just uh, switching gears a little bit over to um, over to you personally. So how did you get involved in this project, and and what's your background a little bit?
1: So I went to school for video game design, or just game design in general, in San Francisco, and I met Tony as friends and they needed a marketing and graphic designer and I started my own graphic design business this last year. And so she thought that I would be a good fit for Japanime because they needed the marketing and graphic design person in-house. And I have game design background. We don't have a set game designer at the company right now because we mostly license and localize games for the U.S. and, and now Europe. So... It's helpful now because I can actually look at the new games that we're going to publish and say, oh, well, we should probably change these things, Right, uh, right. you know, give them some advice on, on changes that might need to be made.
0: Oh, that's, 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 that's interesting. It, it does sound like you're like a perfect fit by having that game <laughs> design background where you can actually like stand back and go, you know, that doesn't make sense, yeah. <laughs> you know, or something like that. So uh, how about, you know, outside of going to school, where did you grow up?
1: Um, I was born in Oklahoma and then moved to California when I was like eight and I lived in the Napa Valley for uh, 13 years before I moved to San Francisco and uh, now I live in South Carolina with my husband.
0: And- okay so how did you go from uh, over the you know over to California to all the way getting to South Carolina. <laughs> Uh, my there? husband,
1: my husband's family lives here. And so, you know, California is very expensive.
0: <laughs> really? I, yeah. I had no idea. <laughs>
1: I know. And so we thought, you know, we want to buy a house with land and things like that. And we have a bunch of friends out here. Let's just go there and try that <laughs> for a minute.
0: <laughs> uh, that's funny. So, um, so I guess now being that you guys are all over the place, um, uh, you know, working in, in separate, you know, separate states and, on each coast, then correct? Is that right?
1: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, what's
0: it like in terms of being product, you know, being productive and you know, keeping on task and running a crowdfunding campaign from you know different time zones? What do you guys do to make sure you guys are staying on point?
1: We have a lot of Excel spreadsheets. That's a that's a good start. <laughs> and um, you know, we Tony and I talk a lot on Google Chat. Um, we'll we'll have. Hangout phone calls where we sit and we discuss plans of action. Um, there's a lot of very long email threads that happen, but everybody has their own tasks that they are responsible for. And a lot of times, somebody says, "Hey, I need you to make this thing," and I say, "What information do you want on it?" And then I make it and I send it to them, and they tell me, "Yes, this. No, no, not that." And you know, eventually, we get there.
0: <laughs> right. So. Uh- you know kind of going back a little bit uh, about your your history so what did your parents do
1: my mother was a nutritionist and an esthetician two very different things and yes. my father uh was a welder for the union uh plumbers and pipe fitters union
0: okay where did the uh graphic design and the love of uh, uh, games come in <laughs> to play
1: well I think my dad's partially to blame for that because he bought me a Sega Genesis when I was like five and uh that was pretty much the beginning of the end for being obsessed with games and sort of all things nerd culture and I never wanted to do like the service trade industry and my parents wanted me to go and do something that I liked. So that was what I did.
0: (laughs) So how how was those conversations when you were uh, like, "Uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go do this.
1: Yeah. Uh, It was a little stressful at first. My mom was a little bit upset about that because it's a pretty strange thing to get into and the industry is pretty rough. I mean, the people in the industry are wonderful, but it's very competitive and uh, it's it's hard, especially at the time that I was in school, it was, you know, I was going into college in 2009. So right after the, our great economic, uh, debacle. Right. And, uh, so the whole culture of a lot of the tech industry is that you're supposed to do these internships and get, you know, three to five years experience for your entry level position. And that's, uh, it's hard to live in San Francisco when that's the kind of jobs that you're applying for.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A little catch twenty two there is what it sounds like. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: Um, which is partly why we moved out here, and I've been working on board games myself. Um, I go to the Game Developers Conference every year in San Francisco, and me and my friends show each other our board games, and so.
0: What was what was the kind of the first game that you actually designed?
1: Um, I worked on this game called. It was. It's called Thrive and Shine. Now it's by a company called Mindblown Labs, and I was working with my friend from college as a game designer. And it's a a mobile app that's a gamification of educating young adults on fi- being financially literate. Okay. So it was a really interesting concept and it's, you know, the guys who were doing it were, were really smart and it was it was pretty exciting. Um, and I'm glad that they finally, it got launched and it's done now. Um, but that was a really cool project to work on. And I helped them design, you know, like the college feature and the the work tasks. Like there's all these mini games in it and stuff. And I helped help them work on that.
0: That's cool. So when you kind of come into a project, like, you know, how in-depth do you get with them? Um, and maybe this this example for Dynamite Nurse might be different, but in general, you know, are you full in as, like, a partner or do you just kind of come in to help with, you know, some strategy or some graphic design? Like, like tell me how you work with projects.
1: One of, uh, we have two new games that we're working on where I have the game assets and I'm working on um, updating the the graphic design to localize it for the U.S. and Europe. So it's going through and like making sure that the fonts look consistent and read well on the cards and mm-hmm. that the English is... We have someone who specifically works on making sure that the the Japanese-to-English tra- translation is, is good, but I also just go through and do a pass of grammatical things right. and stuff like that. And then as far as our next Kickstarter campaign, I'm actually going to be designing all the graphics for that. We're going to be creating you know, our, our ads to post on our social media ahead of time. Mm-hmm. That's been one of the challenges with Dynamite Nurse is it's done really well and we're very happy with it, but we feel like we could have done a little bit better to prepare those in-between days. So when we don't have a new add-on to post or we don't have um, a stretch goal to post, what, what do we do to generate right. discussion and excitement about the project? So that's a thing that we're going to try to focus on more for the next campaign.
0: Interesting. Well, yeah, I, I definitely want to get, move our conversation over to that. But I have another question in terms of this kind of translating these games from Japan to English and then to French. It seems like there could be a lot of gaps in that language or, you know, I I can't imagine that that has to be a huge, gigantic stress point.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know. I think there was one game, I don't remember which one it was, where that had been the case there was a couple of things that got translated that were a little bit weird but we always try to do if we do find issues like that after like a first print we'll try to update it before the next print
2: sure
1: um it's mostly because it's a game and not like a book it's a little bit easier to get away with as long as you understand what the function of the card is it's fine
0: (laughs) right 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 so how do you decide though or or maybe why did you decide that English and French are the two, and maybe not Spanish or, you know, a different language?
1: We would really love to—actually, on one of our other campaigns, Heart of Crown, we tried to do the Italian-Spanish-German thing, and we would really love to be publishing for those languages, but we have found some challenge with finding the right crowdfunding platform to use to get the support on that. Right, interesting. Um, And that is something that we are looking into doing because uh, we would love to be able to have this for all the other languages, um, especially Spanish, because we have a lot of people in South America who would like to have the game in their language. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: And so that's that is something that we're looking into and working towards. Uh, We want everyone to be able to play our games in the language that they prefer.
0: Uh How do you guys envision then, let's just say that were to happen, you know, you could find the platforms and stuff in terms of scale to really be able to, you know, um, you know, let's just, you know, let's just say we now go from Japan to English, English to Spanish, you know, internally with your company, would that all be outsourced, Do you imagine, or you guys would think you would bring on... You know, internal people to actually handle that business.
1: We have a few translators who are, it's like sort of internal. Like we work with them a lot, but they aren't full time with us. Um, we, we would definitely outsource until we have the need for someone to be full time to do all of those things. But obviously, with different languages, um, you almost need a couple different people to do that. Right. Um, finding one person who could do that who speaks like seven different languages that would be, be really hard.
0: And into board games, uh, yeah, you know, that yeah. would be like, yeah, you know, who, who, I'm sure, cause I'm sure there's nuances within the game or the community, you know, that might read away for you. Cause maybe you're in the board game or, you know, you've played these things forever, but maybe somebody else would be like, I don't know what this, you know,
1: Right, yeah, exactly. What are we saying? You yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well,
0: yeah. let's flip a little That's- bit over to the, to the actual Kickstarter itself. So, I mean, you've got a ton of backers. You know, you've you know, you know, squashed your goal, you know. Uh, so what did you guys do to kind of get ready for this campaign that might have been, you know, different than before or or the same as before in your other campaigns?
1: So one of the things that we always try to do is make sure that there is a lot of things for people to, to sort of build up the... The experience of playing the game. So like we have these set up play mats that, you know, help you to organize the board, organize your space. That's one of the people love those things. And as a gamer, I totally get it because setting up your game can be really confusing, um, especially organizing your own play space. So having these things that add to the experience of the game is a really big part of why I think we do so well. Um, And then... We like to have all these promos that are these, you know, we don't give we don't necessarily give them away as add-ons, but we like to make them stretch goals because we want everyone to have the promos because it just adds more to the experience of, of what you're playing. Um, I think that that's been a really big part of our success. Some of our other games have done better, but that's because they had expansions that came with them, so you could also add on the expansions. They were already designed and ready. If this game had expansions, which it won't, um, I think it would have been, com- it, our campaign would have like absolutely exploded. Right. Um, it's doing really well. We're very happy with it. But some of our other games had like $100,000 on them, but they had expansions with them. Mm.
0: So, so walk me through, you know, again, not exactly knowing 100% of what expansions are. What does an expansion do in terms of the game? Like, how would you approach an expansion?
1: So expansions generally just add more content to the game, very similar to the promo cards, but on a larger scale. So it's just, in our, the case of our games, it's more cards that do different things that you can either add to make the game lengthier, or in some of our other games' cases, you can play them by themselves. So the Tonto oh, Kori expansions... If you just like the island theme, the vacation theme, you can play just that. Or if you want to do Oktoberfest, you don't have to play it with the base game. Traditionally, most expansions, you have to have the base game and the expansion if you want to play the full experience. But not all of our games are like that.
0: Yeah, that's intriguing.
1: What is a typical,
0: like, gameplay uh, for Dynamite Nurse?
1: Like how long time? does it
0: take? Yeah, like how long uh, does it usually take?
1: I think it says like an hour. That seems to be like what most of our reviewers have said is it's about an hour. Um, it always takes longer the first time you play it cuz you're trying to figure out what you're doing. Um, so usually I in my experience when you first play a game it's going to be about one and a half to two times longer than what it says on the box. And there are some games where I don't know what they were thinking when they put their time estimate on there because it's way longer than that.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's cool. So in in terms of the campaign, um, you know, did you guys have like a, you know, like a a pre-launch strategy at all for this one or, um, you know, were you running Facebook ads? What were you guys doing kind of prior to launch?
1: We did have some small Facebook um, and social media, other social media platform ads. Like we put up our banners on Twitter and Facebook. And as it got to be a few days before the campaign, we would say, Hey, only 24 hours and things like that. Um, we also knew ahead of time what add-ons we were going to put. And we had a general idea of about when we were going to put them on the Kickstarter page. And then there were some other things that we we had to kind of make up. We always think about running contests uh, for these types of things, um, but it's always kind of touch and f- go about, like, how are we doing? Like, do we need to promote it more? You know, things like that. Right. Um, we had some interesting ideas for uh, advertising, like putting the Hello Nurse song from Animaniacs on our page and those kinds of things. <laughs>
0: Uh, so, so when you're kind of standing back on this, are are you confident kind of going into like, like, let's say this one, because of the community you've already built and, and your community just in general in in this, in the card game arena, or did you have to look at this one and say, you know what, each one of each one of these campaigns, we really want to make sure that we're at, I don't know, 3000 email subscribers or, you know, or do you have any metrics that you're looking at prior to launch?
1: Um, we, you know, that would probably be a question for Tony. I bet she would know a little bit more about that, but we do have a fan base that we mail to, um, it's about 4,000 people. And so we did email them, um, with the, the launch. And then we sent out a press release after we had been funded to try to drive more, sure. uh, more interest in it. And we we had a really good feeling like yeah, we'll definitely hit our our main goal. We were pretty confident that we were gonna get the 20,000. everything after that is up in the air and mm. we have no idea
0: <laughs> How'd you guys come up with that goal number?
1: I don't know I, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie Tony Tony would know that answer I'm, okay I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was just wondering if there's some great strategy of like, Oh my God, it's gotta be this number. Cause some people like to go low, you know, we you know, yeah. Hey, we did 10,000 and, uh, you know, we, we want to just hit it and make sure we get that momentum going. So. Yeah.
1: This one was definitely lower than our other ones, but I think we knew, Oh, we don't have the expansions and things like that. So we we just know that we're not going to get what we were going to get on the other ones.
0: Yep. Th- um, now did you do any advertising on like board game geek or anything like that? Or, or, I mean, cause you clearly have an audience. For this yeah. type of game, right? So, like, did you, you know, reach out to like influencers or anything like that in in this in the anime uh, world?
1: <laughs> we did um, ask Board Game Geek to just put some banners up, some basic banners on the sides to let people know that it was happening. Um, we were trolling the forum on the Dynamite Nurse page to see if people were asking questions when it first launched, just so we could address any issues. And then uh, we have a long list of people who do reviews for us, both written and video. And so we reached out to them and said, hey, can you please get your video, your review up of this so that we can put it on the Kickstarter page? Which is great for them because they've gotten a lot of views on those Mm -hmm. videos um, since we put them on the Kickstarter page. So those were the kinds of things we did as far as reaching out to other people.
0: Would you you say, or is there you know, one or two things that, you know, were just the most important things that you guys did?
1: Um, I think having really interesting add-ons and promo cards and things like that is a really big deal. Like, people love those playmats. Um, we also try to get a lot of fan feedback. Like, we have the fan choice play mat, so we let them vote for which artwork they like the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, I think it's mostly that like we just know what our, our demographic wants as far as um, adding to the gameplay experience. And so making sure that our add-ons were interesting for them was a really big part of it. Um, playing up the meme stuff a lot is good, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, and, and is there any sort of. Well, you know, actually, I, this kind of kind of a question because of as a company with you having these multiple games, do you guys try to keep your branding all under one umbrella or or, or for something like this, does this have its own Instagram account? And, you know, or, or, like, how do you guys manage when you have multiple games like this?
1: Um, we do everything just under the Japanime or Kamikaze um, name unless except for Pinterest. We have a different board for each game when we're posting to it. And that's, that's the only time we separate it really.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Where where do you see the most of your online traffic come from? Is is there a particular social media account that's the most, I mean, at all? Or, you know, like Pinterest or Twitter or where's... Where are people hanging out for you guys?
1: It seems like mostly um, Facebook is probably the biggest one that we can actually tell right now is where it's coming from. Um, there's, you know, Kickstarter has this thing that says traffic's directed from here. And they're, mm-hmm. the biggest one is external and it doesn't tell us where it's coming from. So right. it could be that it's um, reviews that people have posted that where they've linked the Kickstarter campaign to it or our website, things like that um tabletop games actually is a big one it looks like is where traffic's coming from so and
0: and how did you guys considering that this um campaign is kind of is global right uh how did you guys handle shipping because i know shipping sometimes catches everybody in the back end oh we didn't think about it right you know how did you guys Um, handle shipping
1: yeah, we have a really great person working uh, on our shipping stuff. Her name's Heather, and she actually does all the updates on the Kickstarter campaign. She does all the commenting and stuff, if you're curious. Um, shout out to Heather. Yeah, shout out to Heather. <laughs> um, she she's runs our warehouse currently, and so she's very familiar with what the shipping is going to be. And we decide... Like, oh, OK, on this game, like we can afford to take a hit on shipping and let people have it for this amount of money. And so sometimes we just kind of bite the bullet to give people that, you know, extra incentive to to buy it. We're not we're not like totally greedy. We'll help out with that part.
0: <laughs> got to take care yeah. of the community. you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, so you've got uh, three days to go. You've hit the goal. Uh, kind of what is the mindset right around the company for this project and what do you guys see happening here and like just say in the, in the next few uh, few weeks
1: we are kind of predicting as far as finishing up the kickstarter that we will get a really big push in the, the next 48 hours um, of people who were waiting to see what was going to happen you know maybe they're waiting to see what add-ons we we put on and things like that before they pick their pledge level so we're expecting that we'll probably get a lot more backers in the next 48 hours. And then after that, it's just a matter of making sure our production's running smoothly so that we can get the games sent out to everyone on time. That's a, we've been delayed on some of our previous schemes and we're really, uh, you know, sad that that's happened. And so we're working really hard to make sure it doesn't happen again.
0: Sure. Uh, for this one, what is it going to take for production wise to get, you know, like assembling or do you have to get the parts still made or the cards printed? What, what, what has to
1: happen? Uh, We have a manufacturer who is going to work on either having all of the parts sent to them because not all of them come from the same place. And then Mm -hmm. they're going to assemble it and then it'll get shipped over to us and we'll distribute it from our warehouse in Indiana.
0: Oh, nice. Indiana in there. You got a little little central time zone as well? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it, it, part of the reason we picked that is because it's in the middle of the country. So everyone gets the same amount of ship days as opposed to it being in Massachusetts where it was and it taking longer to get to the, to the West Coast.
0: Yeah, it's funny the things you learn about shipping. So uh, just our story is we have a couple clients fr- uh, from Australia that we help with because shipping is a big concern. And, we're, and, you know, we're in Detroit, so our drop ship is like Ohio. You know, it's like, yeah. man, that's an hour drive. I'll just drive it down there. And it just saves so many issues for shipping, you know? Yeah. It's just like, we, it's like, yeah.
1: We're, we're working on helping our Australian audience out because we know that they are they have a rough time with the shipping charges and stuff. And we're, we're doing what we can to help that out. But there's so many fees and stuff that come yeah. with shipping to Australia that uh, we... We just try to bring a lot of things to the PAX Australia show so they can just buy it there. <laughs> right,
0: right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes no sense when it's like the 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 goal is fifty dollars, but it's thirty five dollars in shipping. It's like ah, oh, that just that just yeah. stings. That's no good. Yeah. Nobody likes. I feel
1: that. I feel really terrible about about that. There's not we're doing our best. There's not a whole lot we yeah. can do. Yeah,
0: <laughs> right, right. At some point, it's just like that's the world, man. I don't yeah. I don't control that stuff. So talk to me a little bit about are there you know, it seems like obviously there's conferences for this world. How much of that is a part of your ecosystem? Just, you know, going out to these type of things and participating in them.
1: Uh, we do a lot of conventions. Uh, we were actually just at Spiel Essen 2016 in Germany. Um, and we had a booth there and had some demos of our new games and some of our older games and people could buy some of them there. And then we're going to be at Lucca in Italy, uh, next week i think is what it is and then we're going to be at pax australia uh, first week of november so we do and that's the last of it for this year um mm-hmm. i'm not sure how many conventions we do a year it's a lot uh, yes
0: yeah, so, you just described a lot a lot of yeah. traveling too
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we, it we send different team members to different shows, just depending on what we need and who's available. Um, we all go to Gen Con. So if anyone wants to come and meet like the whole team, we're at Gen Con, uh, we, we're going to have a big dynamite nurse party there to cause that's when it should be released. It will be released. I'm going to say it will be released. at Gen Con.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it will be released. Yeah,
1: it will. It's going to happen. We're going to make it happen.
0: <laughs> so, What is the most favorite game that you personally have ever played?
1: Uh, I really love Galaxy Trucker. Okay. That's probably my favorite game. Uh, You are a trucker in space, and you build a little spaceship out of tiles, and then you travel around the galaxy, and random things happen to you, and you see how your ship holds out up and how many points you can win or how much money you can make. Uh, It's pretty fun.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So that's the one if you're on a desert island, that's the one you'd bring?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. And everyone would hate me. But it takes like five hours to play it. So, you know, we we take yeah, yeah, five that's hours.
0: It's a, that's a perfect desert island, one uh, yes, you got, you know. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. That's great. So, well, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I think we got all the info I needed, and I think my listeners are gonna really be intrigued by uh, by this game. And uh, I, I I can't thank you enough for taking some time out of your day to to oh. chat with me and, uh, and Yeah, and, thank uh,
1: you.
0: Yeah, no problem. Awesome. Thanks so much.
1: Yeah, thank you. Have a great day.